3: For the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 202. Say, we have a YouTube channel. Will you please subscribe to it? It would really be awesome if you did. It's YouTube.com Nerdist. Tons of fun programming coming up. This next week, uh, we are on All-Star Celebrity Bowling. We're bowling the cast of The Walking Dead and Robert Kirkman. We bowled them on the bowling show, and it was Fantastic. So tune in for that. Also, uh, face-to-face with Weird Al, new episode coming up. Uh, episodes of Kids in the Hall, Ain't It Cool, Comic Book Club, Weird Shit from Japan. New shows launching soon, like Justin Woman's Magic Meltdown. Just a lot of fun stuff. Come be in the clubhouse. YouTube.com slash Nerdist. And this episode of Nerdist Podcast, by the way, is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Your life is on your computer. And It is your livelihood and if anything happens to it, it's almost like losing your organs so Carbonite will back up everything automatically in the background keep it stored away from your machine Safely and securely and then whenever you need a file or if you lose your if you lose your computer or if your computer uh, takes a crap in itself and you can't scoop it all out, then you get a new computer that's crap-free, and you can access, uh, you can reinstall all of your files onto your hard drive. Or if you just need one file, uh, you can use their smartphone app and go on and just access that file on your your mobile device. Plans start at $59 a year, so start your free trial today at Carbonite.com with the code NERDIST and get two bonus months with purchase. That's Carbonite.com. The offer code for two bonus months is NERDIST. Okay, this episode... This, I never thought this episode was going to go up. I really didn't. It's one of those episodes where we recorded it, and then someone else recorded it for me, and then I just never got the file. And then I got it ages later. <laughs> and so now I'm putting it up. This is from SF Sketch Fest 2011. In January of 2011. What the shit? SF Sketch Fest did a tribute to the film *Airplane* for the 30th anniversary of the movie *Airplane*, the comedy which changed comedy in film, um, and we did it at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. And to see this movie again with like a thousand people was so incredible. Like the, it totally holds up. *Airplane* absolutely holds up, and to see people laughing in all the all the all the places that you laugh, and it just. It was really a wonderful comedy experience to see this to see this movie. So, uh, listen, rent Airplane, set up a movie night, and watch it with all your friends. Rent a local theater, screen it there. I don't care. Watch this movie again with a group of people. We actually got to do a panel. Uh, it was Jim Abrams and David Zucker and Jerry Zucker, and then Robert Hayes, who played Ted Stryker. And they were just wonderful. And to be there with these guys uh, talking about a movie that, was one of the movies that defined me as a, as a, as a young comedy person, uh, was a tremendous brain boner. I don't know how else to describe it. It was a brain boner. And so here we are, the Nerdist Podcast number 202, the found episode of my panel with the Zucker Brothers, Jim Abrams, and Robert Hayes. Striker, 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 striker.
2: Now entering...
3: Nerdist.com. This seems to be working uh, I am going to expose this shirt, which I own. And I did not buy it for this. I've owned this shirt for a long time. Uh, I paid $100 for it on eBay. It's still worth a lot of money. Uh, please have a huge hand for the film Airplane. Oh, my God. I can't... I can even wrap my mind around it. And they were sitting behind me the whole time. It, I, it was I, like childhood... Nerd boner, if I can say that, which is a weird thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce the directors of Airplane David Zucker, Jerry Zucker, Jim Abrams, and Robert Hayes. <laughs> gentlemen. I think just sort of strewn out here, and I'll sit here in this chair. All right.
4: All
3: right, I'll move over here. This is good. Should I sit here? Do you want, okay, you take that one. All right, I'll go back here.
1: No, n- no, joke ended.
4: Yeah, that was, that's, that's pretty much...
1: <laughs>
4: when, when, when Timing. We, yeah. When we, even now, when we watch it, we're thinking, oh, that, that joke should have ended a second earlier. <laughs> still, you still? You still feel that when you... Yeah. Only see the mistakes. <laughs> really? Okay, so what, what, what is an example
3: of... Because I think, I think we would all agree the movie is flawless, and still, <laughs> after... Still, after 31 years, it entirely holds up. First of all, I have to say,
1: um, it, you know, it was, would have been worth it to make this movie and all the time and effort just for this audience. Nope. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> this was great to sit. And... Um, <laughs> I, it, 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 seriously, all these years later, it's just is something about just hearing... Um, you know, you're, this kind of a great response is is uh, it's just so much fun and, and really gratifying. But speaking of so, there's stuff, I mean, we were just talking while we were back there. There's still lots of stuff to us that that you know seems is pretty clunky. I mean, it's I mean, it's it, you know obviously the you know certainly the movie works and stuff. But I was just saying to, to David that one thing that always drives me crazy is in the in the hospital. It's just like this slow pan at the beginning and then this. Kind of stupid joke of the of the uh, the guy with the STP sticker on his (laughs) back, but just standing there playing, and he kind of goes, "You know, it's not." You get it? Yeah, get it? It's like (laughs) it's (laughs) STP. Not exactly a subtle thing in the background, but there are
3: a lot of those little things, I think. Well, but I mean, but you have to. Have you ever watched the movie with a with a huge audience any any time recently?
4: Yeah, it's like been every month now. <laughs> Is it, really. <laughs> For the, it's the 30-year anniversary, so oh, it's so they've kind got you going around to different <laughs> ce- sure, sure celebrations. Sure, yeah, so. Yeah. Sure.
3: So, this is old hat it by this matter, point. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Taking a nap. But Somewhere, it must be the same response everywhere. I mean, like, you, you know, you, you, I, there were clusters of people shouting out quotes at this. I mean, it's probably, I would say, you know, this and the Naked Gun series probably the most quotable films uh, in the history of film. Yeah, of I mean, you, you. Casablanca had a few, I think, <laughs> and The Godfather.
1: Not as many, not as many. Oh. But this audience was the best of the... This is the best. Yeah, this is the best. Of all the 30th anniversary audiences.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And we have a special prize. (laughs) How does does a movie like this get made? I mean, obviously, I was, you know, I loved Kentucky Fried Movie. I know you guys had Kentucky Fried Theater. (laughs) So maybe we go back a little bit and talk about how Kentucky Fried Movie got made, and was that what led to
0: Airplane? Wait a minute. Wait a minute for this. I think you should sit here. <laughs> so that we, have so all we switch three after every together. question. Yeah, because this is for the answer. For the, don't you think so? I think so. Three together for the answer, oh, for Jim. Jim, and then we can switch back after the answer.
2: <laughs> so the question is, how did airplane, airplane, uh, Kentucky Fried Movie? Oh, Kentucky I think Fried Movie. One, yeah. All right. Well, the sequence was sort of we Dave and Jerry and I moved from. Madison, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where we were doing Kentucky Fried Theater, to Los Angeles in 1971. and Two. (laughs) Two. I'll coach
4: you here. Thank you.
2: And then we started doing this theater called Kentucky Fried Theater, where we performed and whatnot. And in order to get new material for the theater, what we would do is leave a tape recorder on all night and tape... The shows that were on during the evenings, because they tended to be the stupidest, and with the, had in the commercials, tended to be the cheapest, and they were the easiest to, to satire, to satirize, and that's what our theater did. We made fun of stuff like that. So one night we left our tape recorder on. And we got to, to work the next day, and we played back what we had taped the night before, and it turns out that we would captured. This 1957 melodrama called Zero Hour, starring Linda Linda Darnell and Sterling Hayden and Dana Andrews. And it was Airplane, except a very serious melodrama, written by uh, Arthur Haley the screenplay was written by Arthur Haley. So it was that that was about 1974 and that's when we started saying this is perfect instead of doing little vignettes maybe we can make a, a whole story and just add our jokes to it. Then meanwhile we started writing Airplane and, um, and not much was happening and so David eventually called John Landis. John Landis came to see our theater. He said, "Why don't you take this Kentucky Fried Theater that you're doing, and we'll make that into a movie called Kentucky Fried Movie." So that was made in '77, and we kept pulling Airplane off the shelves and rewriting it and rewriting it. And after the Kentucky Fried Movie did okay, then we had an opportunity to make Airplane.
1: <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's not really the way it happened. That's not the way it happened at
4: all. Yeah. I have a completely different recollection. Yeah. Uh,
3: who, is, who is Rex Kramer? Because the name appears... Isn't, he, isn't Rex Kramer the character from Danger Seekers in Kentucky yeah. Fried Movie? He, he's, a, he's a guy that we went to high
4: school with. <laughs> and so was so was Steve McCroskey. Really? And in Kentucky Fried Movie, the, you know, the villain was named Dr. Klon. And that was our high school principal. So, <laughs> so it was kind of an in-joke, him. Yeah.
3: And uh, Robert Hayes, how did they? Did you audition for this movie, or did you know these guys before? How did how did you get the I role? I did.
0: The story that I had heard was that they had been going across country, all the cities, all over the country, looking for their Ted Striker, and they hadn't had any luck. My agent had a woman that had just joined the agency. It's a new agent named Beth Voicu, and she used to work for Howard Koch, who was our the Godfather, he'd been the, the former head of production, the president of Paramount Studios, and they put him in charge of, <laughs> of exec producing this. And she called him up and said, Howard, I got the guy for you. I've got your Ted Stryker. And he said, bring him over. So I went over and I met the boys and we all got along and then I read and they liked the reading. And then I screen tested with Julie. And we did the the hospital scene with the spit take. And, <laughs> and uh, they liked that. And then they said... Uh, from what I understand, Paramount was saying you've got to use these big, you know, the hot young comedy actors from Saturday Night Fever, you know, Live or whatever, and they didn't, they didn't want to use that. They wanted to use the straight people, you know, Bob Stack and Lloyd and Peter, and then for Ted Stryker, it was an unknown. So um, they they cast me. They came over to the set of a series I was doing called Angie. I remember that show, and they came backstage. And they said, you're the one, you're the one we want. And I said, great, and we all jumped a little and then, and then they left and Jim told me later that they said, gosh, we've cast him. Maybe we we'll ought to look and see what it is that he does. <laughs> now that was a sitcom, that was totally different. And uh, so they went home and they watched an episode of Angie and they said, oh shit. <laughs> but it was different. I was actually insane and I think that that, that added, it lent itself to the film. Let
3: the times grow Let the love grow Let the rain shower Let the roses flower That's the theme to Angie. Wow. <laughs> it is.
0: Yes, is it is. Is. Tom
3: Waits sang that. That did. be the theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very cutting-edge show. Donna Pesco, right? <laughs> That's I, right. I absolutely remember that show. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, did, the, did you have any idea when you first... Did
0: you read the script before you auditioned or did you just get... A I pages? read the script on an airplane going to Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting on the plane. It was an ABC function and we went back with Howard Cosell and Donna Peskow and a whole bunch of people. We went back to uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and they were having an NBC station becoming ABC. and It was a huge station, so it was very important. We went back there and I read the script on the plane. And as I was reading it, there was literally something on every single page that made me laugh out loud. I didn't just smile. I mean, something made me laugh out loud on every single page. And the stewardess, she came over and she said, I couldn't help but notice you seem to be enjoying that. And I said, well, it's a script called Airplane. Would you like to read it when I'm done? She said, yes, thank you very much. She had a bun. She was very prim, proper. She looked like Elaine, only with her hair done up in a tight little bun. She sat down on her little fold-down stewardess seat, had her knees together, and she opened the script, and she started reading. And a little while later, I looked up, and I saw her kind of giggling a little bit. A little while later, I saw her just relaxing a little bit, and a little while later, her knees were apart, her <laughs> bun was undone, <laughs> and she was laughing. And then afterwards, she cut it herself up and said, thank you.
2: <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't... Uh, so when
3: you read it, you got it right away. I mean, because I'm trying to think... There wasn't really any other type of comedy like this at the time. So, did the other actors? Did the the, the, the straight actors? Did they Did they know what you were doing? Did they understand? Well, wow. Well,
4: I f- Leslie Nielsen did. Yeah. And I think Leslie's uh, Leslie said to his agent, uh, uh, "I would do this for nothing. Don't tell him, but I'll I'll do it for nothing." Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, Leslie, they all actually uh, you know fit into it in different ways. Leslie although he played these straight roles all his life, was truly a closet comedian. I mean, he was really a, a nutty, zany, uh, uh, wonderfully uh, funny guy, and he just loved doing this. Peter Graves, I think, you know, his wife liked the script, and we, you know, in between his family and Howard Koch, they talked him them, talked them into to doing it, and he was the sweetest guy on the set and would do whatever we asked, but I don't think he really got... Right. what he was doing. Um, and, and, and... Uh, um... I guess that, that moment, why am I telling this child about a Turkish prison? <laughs> well, don't,
3: just let it... It's fine. It's fine. Said,
0: It'll be fine. We we'll told him the
4: that's explained later in the part that he's not in. When, when he first read it, he said, this is the most, this script is the most disgusting piece of trash I've ever read in my life. And we of said, course. thank you.
3: <laughs>
2: I think Lloyd Bridges was the way we went about writing it is we just had this old movie, Zero Hour, and we thought, we'll just add jokes. And it wasn't written the way the scripts are traditionally written. We just added jokes. So I think with Lloyd, what happened with Lloyd is that he read this script and he saw this guy who was smoking and drinking and doing amphetamines and <laughs> sniffing glue. And so he tried to put... The way an actors, lots of actors, do tried to put together this guy's personal agenda, and tried to make it sense within the character of some, probably some guy who was tortured as a child and whatnot, and all just snort the glue, Lloyd.
1: He, he, uh, there was actually one rehearsal where where Stack was great. Stack although not really a comedian, he got it. He said, you know, okay, I get it. I, I am the joke, you know, and yeah, we are, yeah. and, and, uh, but there was one rehearsal where, you know, Lloyd Bridges would say, well, why would my character say the line, da 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 And, and, uh, and Stack just, just looked at me and said, Lloyd, look, look at the script. There's a watermelon falling, d- you know, down in front of you. Spears <laughs> a going-, going in the wall behind me. Just keep talking, Lloyd. Nobody's looking at us.
0: <laughs>
3: So he was helpful yeah. when, when, I was in, when I was in college I worked at a, at a country club And Robert Stack was a member there And of course I, you know, I was, I, at, Even at that point I had already seen Airplane hundred times and, uh, and so I asked him about it And he said, "Well, I want to tell you a little story He said, uh, those uh, Zucker brothers uh, I don't know if this is true This is just what Robert Stack said they came to me with the naked gun idea and I turned it down. And goddammit if that Leslie Nielsen hasn't made a fucking millions of dollars. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true, but that's what he said to me as, a, as when, I was, when I was in college and I met him. And was that, is that, is that, is that it's true.
4: true. We went to Robert Stack first because we just... It just pissed just, him off that it worked out. He so was well. the
3: much bigger star
4: at the time, and I think the studio also liked the idea. Of, yeah, yeah. We, and we we just thought Robert Stack was the funniest human on the planet. I mean, just he's just it's his ship now; it's command. He's the top dog, the big you know. Just, God corrected our mistake. Yeah. And, and, um, <laughs> but but um, yeah. But he was doing uh, the, uh, unsolved mysteries or something. So right. he, yeah, he was doing that. So he couldn't. He really couldn't. He couldn't do it. He so. couldn't go off and do it. He couldn't go off and do it. Yeah. It was so hard.
3: It was so hard when Leslie Nielsen, I uh, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, Leslie Nielsen. But when he came on screen, uh, it was so hard not to shout from the back of the theater. Hey, look! It's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> what was what was the experience like working with him? I mean, he seemed he seems like
0: a sweetheart.
4: He was. He was absolutely. He was he was great to work with, and you know he.
0: Leslie you know, Les- has, uh, he has Leslie has a machine, had a machine. They called it a machine. It was a little, uh, it was a handheld whoopee cushion, and he could play it like a symphony. He could play. I mean, he could fart like Ernest Borgnine or Sandy Duncan. I mean, it covered the whole range. Anywhere on and, the board 9 duncan scale. And in the scene, in the scene, I remember sitting there when we first were, were starting out, and I, I, I was sitting in my little chair, and I really was just so proud of it. And, and two girls came in that were extras, and one of them said, Oh, there's Leslie Nielsen. I'm going to go say hi. And she went over to there, and, and just like, I don't know, 45 seconds later, she came back and said, Do you know what he did? <laughs> because it doesn't matter who if he meets the president, you know. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so when we were shooting the scene in the cockpit, Mr. Striker, can you land this plane? Well, I flew single engine fighters in the war, but this is four engines, an entirely different kind of flying altogether. When I was doing that scene, he was on my close up. It was Mr. Striker. Can you <laughs> can you land this plane? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. It was hard. And he brought a whole box of those and was selling them around on the set. So when the AD would say, okay, roll sound, sound, <laughs> speed, camera, <laughs> speed, everybody had those. And one day, Jerry had had it and he said, all right, I want those off the set. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. We
4: were on an elevator during a press tour for Naked Gun, and he did it on just, just watch the other people in this crowded elevator try, try to
0: <laughs> press themselves against the edge. But. And he said it was always well, Leslie, fun watching you, them smell things that weren't there.
4: <laughs> when, when you think about it, I mean Leslie, this predated
1: our meeting, Leslie. He used, he yeah. did, I think probably from a very young age, but he he. Lo- <laughs> He loved the idea of, of doing a silly thing, acting really serious, you know so even in the elevator he wouldn't, he wouldn't crack up. He would just he would just you know make he'd just be really serious about the whole thing and and you know that fit in perfectly to the kind of humor that we wanted to do, so that I think more than any of those guys we had a, 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 a camaraderie with with we were more in sync with with Leslie. you
3: You must have been like messiah's to him because he'd been doing such serious drama for decades before you guys came along that w- at, at some point I was like, yeah, all right, Leslie, stop hanging around. We get it." Like you know, was he was, did would he come up with pitch a lot like of ideas? One of those stories about the Prince who was frozen in ice for a thousand years,
1: and you know, we finally came and set him free or whatever. I mean, he was really a closet comedian, and he um he was internally grateful to us. Um, for for giving this uh, oppor- uh, for giving him this opportunity, and, and not really so much in you know when we were negotiating a contract on the new film, but
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 I worked uh, I worked on a show for a while with uh, Tino Insana who wrote for Police right. Squad, right? So naturally I grilled him a lot about that. I actually I had episodes of Police Squad that I ripped off Netflix on my iPhone because uh, I travel so much I would just watch them over and over, and I was asking about Ring of Fear. And he said, well, the way that the Zuckers would work is, the, and, and, and Abrams, you would just sit in a room and just watch really serious stuff for hours and hours and hours and just figure out where to jam the jokes in. <laughs> and when you watch, especially when you watch Airplane, it, it, it's the most densely packed like joke, uh, like, like jokes per minute, and, and they all land.
4: Well, that really came from our stage show because you know we were up on stage and we hated hated it when the audience wasn't laughing. So we just kept kept the pace going so that we wouldn't be we would be less embarrassed when we were on stage.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, were, what was the theater? What were the
4: theater shows like when you were doing the the live theater shows? It was sketch comedy. It was an hour and a half, and just you know blackouts sketches. Yeah. There was a we had a uh, television monitor on stage which where we showed uh, parodies of TV commercials. And so it was... It ran for... uh, We ran three shows over about five years. And the first one was called Vegetables, and the second one was called My Nose, just so the listing in the L.A. Times, the weekly listing would say, My Nose runs continuously. (laughs) And so... And then... (laughs) And then... But all this time, all this time we really wanted to... we really wanted to do these movies, you know. We, just, we didn't want to be dancing around on stage live, and so uh, finally, you know, we, we, uh, we recast the show, and so we really stepped around full-time riding airplane in Kentucky Fried Movie, and, uh, and, we, and our last show was called Beating a Dead Horse. It was, <laughs> it was a combination of the
2: previous show. To give you an idea of what went on in the show, for intermission, there was a phone that would drop from the ceiling right down to the middle of the audience, and it would be ringing, and would uh, land right in the audience members' lap, and so eventually the people in the audience would say, well, pick it up, and he'd pick it up, and somebody from backstage would say to the guy, would you please tell the audience it's intermission? So the guy (laughs) would hang up the phone and go, it's intermission.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing it's, uh, was that um, Steve Stucker, who plays Johnny, was in our live show for years. He was the piano player. Yeah, yeah. and well, and also acted. Yeah, you know, acted, just yeah. I mean, he did. And he, you could have the three of us who were also in the show. We we could have sent up a flare and nobody would have seen us. I mean, he was. Everyone was glued to Steve because he was so outrageous and funny.
3: How much? How much of the the film was there any improvisation in the film, or what, was it, Were you guys pretty, pretty tight with the script? There was, was,
0: the, people ahead. would ask me all the time about that. Why because you? Because <laughs> they said they were just there was something about you guys. They were deathly afraid of you. No, no. <laughs> they said they're too funny. They may say something that'll just hurt. No, they. The the uh, the script. I guess you guys worked on it. Maybe it was because you you were shelving it because you were working on the other show. So they worked on it for like five years, and it was so tight. The only one that really did any improvisation, I, I think, was Steve Stucker, right? Not really.
4: The, his line. So we couldn't write for Stucker. It was just his his lines. So what we did. We we for instance in his um, you know the press conference that he answers the questions from the reporters. We fed him the questions. We called him up on the phone, and he said over the phone, and he gave those answers. Those were and so; those were all his lines. He just said, "Oh, it's a big white plane with red stripes. It's a big Tylenol." And so, and we cracked up. And so we just write it down. And, and it was pretty much the same with the with with the black dudes when we you know we 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 had the idea that we would subtitle it, but you know we we wrote like. All we knew was mofo, I think, and so it's it the best, best that three white Jewish guys could do. And so, we, and so we, these guys, uh, Al White and uh, Norm Gibbs, and Norm Gibbs came in to do their reading, and they had this whole pattern, exactly what you see uh, in the in the film. They they just had that, and so we just you know we let them do it. So, but nothing was improvised on the set except for things that we we would ideas we would think up on the set like when they were shaking the the woman Mm -hmm. um i think those the first three people were were scripted and then all the people with the whips and the guns and the knives that that was added so we sent our prop person out to to get all that stuff that's incredible so everything really you you really had every joke planned we were we worked on the script for five years so yeah we you know we we would we would argue over every word so
3: I mean, one of, one of the things that I think makes the film watchable as many as many times as, as I'm sure we've all watched it is the just Easter eggs left and right. I mean, I, even just watching it tonight, I, for some reason, I had never gotten the joke before, where uh, where you say to Elaine, uh, "We're coming in from the north below the radar," and she says, "When are you when are you coming home?" and you say, "I can't tell you that." I I'd never got I never picked up on that before, and I it's... It sawed me in half and seeing it with these people. Was, was there anything that you guys saw in the audience new tonight? What, what was an example of something that you said that you didn't notice before? The, material. the whacking material <laughs> I'm telling you, seeing it on the big screen, you know I, I actually saw airplane in the theater when I was a kid, uh, and ever since then i've just seen it on a small screen, so are there things that you forgot about, or are there Easter eggs that you feel like because people have been watching it on a small screen for so long? Is there anything that you still feel like people miss that you that 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 they didn't catch?
1: No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just curious. How many people here are, uh, saw it tonight on a big screen for the first time? Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Most people. Yeah. Wow. So Interesting. Let's... It's a little yeah.
4: different.
3: There's a lot of young people. I, I was wondering if... Because if, I don't know if the young people know when she says, that's funny, Jim never has a second cup of coffee at home. That's an old... Is it a Maxwell House commercial? it 's an old weren't they, be, yeah.
0: They were, or at least I think she was in that commercial. Wasn't Are she? <laughs> I think so. It seems to me like I had heard that. Maybe she had told I, me that. We, I don't unfortunately,
1: know. we stayed away from too much topical yeah. stuff, which I think is one reason why it, why it lasts. Mm-hmm.
3: I also hadn't noticed before that... The, the guy who, uh, who samurai's himself is James Hong, yeah. uh, who's in big trouble in Little China, and he was in Chinatown, and yeah. a lot of movies with China in the time I didn't you, know that. You know
1: what else? The, yeah. If you notice the f- <laughs> yeah, I, first I hear <laughs> <it>, of <you> did- <laughs> it, right during the opening credits, the first guy who says um, to, I think it's Julie, would you like to um, take this for the Church of Religious Consciousness, is Greg Itzen,
4: who, who was the president in 24. Really, yeah. and a classmate of ours at the University of Wisconsin. Yeah.
3: Wow! I, I also noticed uh, David Leisure, aka yeah. Joey Suzu. Yeah. one of the
0: Hari yeah. Krishna. It's
3: yeah. <laughs> so one of the.
1: Uh... Yeah. I, Did sure. you see Michael Jackson in the?
3: <laughs> Small part. <laughs> what was it like directing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? <laughs> it was...
1: <laughs> it's a
4: strain on the neck. Did he? Yeah. Did he understand? Did he understand what you guys were doing, or did you? I mean, he he did. He wasn't that interested in acting, really. Right. So. Um,
2: or that yeah. interested in airplane. <laughs> he wasn't. I don't think so.
4: No. He did it because uh, he at first turned it down, but uh, he he wanted to buy this uh, antique Oriental rug for thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> And his business manager told him that you have to do this movie to buy the rug, and that's really why he did it.
1: What's the story about? When his, well, when his business when when the, the guy first called, we offered thirty, and he said, "No, it's got to be thirty-five because Kareem wants to buy this rug." We thought this is the greatest line we've ever heard.
4: You know, that is absolutely agent, true. You
1: know, yeah. but we thought, oh, you know, it's Kareem. Okay, we'll pay him thirty-five. And and like two weeks later, there was an article in Time Magazine with showing Kareem in front of this rug that he had just bought.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but he is was he, he was completely nice. Oh yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was a great guy, but. He didn't want to re- memorize any lines, but we were saved by the fact that it was, you know, the, the pilots were all facing forward. So he's, he's just reading it off of cards, <laughs> the, the whole part. And when he turned to the kid, the cue cards were there. Kid, you know. So,
1: let, yeah. let, let me put it this way. It's, it's probably really fortunate that the, the, we were, our intention was to make fun of athletes who can't act. Because that was the, yeah, that was the yeah. whole purpose that actually is.
2: initially we wrote the part for Pete Rose and that was before Pete Rose was known to you know, be the guy he is and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, but we filmed Airplane during the summer so we had to rewrite it and that's when they were playing baseball so we rewrote the part for Kareem kind of late in the game
3: I would love to know... Uh, there, there, there are a couple of people who pop up in the movie that I've always wondered who they are. Like the little... The, little, the, the boy trapped in the fridge eats on foot. Who is that? Is that picture of someone?
0: The, the little boy?
3: This Howard, Howard yeah. W. Koch's grandson. Okay. <laughs> what about uh, the, uh, the, the white zone couple?
2: Years old. Oh. oh. Well, in fact, those are the people who actually make the recording at Los Angeles airport. We got the, the, the actual people, but the, so they're not but actors. The, the, and they're not actors, but the, the cool thing, I mean, part of the cool thing, I, I, I guess that was cool enough, but, but our, th- our notion was you know, we, to make fun of whatever the White Zone red zone thing, but we weren't sure how, and so we just knew they had to say something outrageous, and we couldn't think of anything, so we went to the corner drugstore and got a, you know, one of those dime store... The romance novel. Cover, a romance novel, and sure enough, in the romance no- novel, there's this couple having an argument about an abortion. <laughs> and we took it word for word. Literally, it said, well, but if it's done properly, therapeutically, I think... It's all. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> there's, there's not that much original in the movie. <laughs> what are these? Pe- who were these people that did the the announcement? They they were did they work at the yeah, airport? they actually the- auditioned.
1: Actors and 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 had you know voiceover specialists and comedian whatever comedians you know recorded it was just not working it just somehow it just didn't seem to be funny for us and so finally someone thought well let's find the people who recorded you know the the one that we're used to at LAX and it turned out they were the people who sold the equipment to the airport and A husband and wife team you know, husband yeah husband and wife.
4: Do they have some, any
3: idea when you when you said okay, it's an argument about an abortion? Were they like okay, or did yeah. they? No, I think they got a kick out of it. Hollywood doesn't call often. For, you know. They must have thought
4: they're just auditioning yeah, every five minutes yeah, at LAX. Finally, yeah, someone calls. It's amazing what actors will do if you just you know put the script in front of them. You yeah, know, it's, it's like true. Bob Costas. You know, you're excited. Feel these nipples, and he and <laughs> <laughs> he was so angry when it came out on screen. You know? <laughs>
3: I was, I was ta- by the way I'm still not convinced that this isn't a weird dream that I'm going to have and I'm going to like not have pants in a second because I can't I can't believe I watched this movie and now I'm I'm talking to you guys cuz this movie is, is is constantly used in comic circles as the benchmark I mean we I, w- I was talking about it with the comics at the SF Sketch Fest the other night that that you guys e- e- ever since you guys no one else seems to be able to make a comedy like this without like oh, we're playing comedy, like people don't know how to play it straight anymore what what that's what's great happening? what else are people saying <laughs> <laughs> They worship you I mean you influence you know you've you've influenced an entire generation of of comics and taught people that it it actually can be funnier if you if you play things straight, but what do you think happened you know afterwards where everyone is it just because they just people aren't as funny. They don't know what they're doing, or why. Why it just the formula seems so like workable.
4: Uh, well, it actually
1: it actually takes more discipline, to, you, you know, than you might think to do it this way. And 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 I think I mean even if you look at Leslie, I think that. When he did other movies, as it, you know, in his his career, not with us. I mean, <laughs> you you see him getting a little sillier, you know, and and in this movie, I love his performance because it's so serious, and and it just, I just for me, it works the best, and and uh, but it takes a lot of discipline, and and, and you know, you really have to reign actors in because really it's not as fun for them except for Leslie liked you know he, he loved that kind of thing but like you can see Lloyd in, in this movie and I think Lloyd is terrific in the film um, and I think maybe the different kinds of performances work but y- y- you know we, he was the one that we sort of kept holding back the most because he kind of wanted to be funny and you can still see some of that in the, in the film but it it's, takes a lot of discipline to, to, to do it
3: as an actor, Robert, do, do you, when when you're making the film, does it does it feel like? Do you feel like? Oh, I'm not really doing anything. I'm not really being funny. But you just
0: trust that they that they know what they're doing. No, I, the, well, the brilliance of it is, I think, is first off they write the script, and the script was just classically funny. The second thing is casting all of the straight people that they did, and the third thing is knowing to keep them straight and their timing and their editing and everything that they did on it was so great. But someone asked me about it once and the only thing I could think of was some of these things that what you're talking about is they have a little astral projection of themselves standing outside themselves when they're acting and they're looking at the audience saying, isn't this funny? And with us, our little characters were looking at the audience saying, what are you laughing for? This is serious stuff. Which made people laugh even harder. We, but we, the fun thing for me was was getting the crew we, you couldn't laugh, and as soon as they'd say cut, they would just all crack up, and that was your payment. What we used to say to the actors was, "Don't play it straight;
3: pretend that you don't know you're in a comedy."
1: And and, and, and that that was kind of, I think, our our philosophy.
3: Were there a lot of, uh, I mean, were were there a lot of outtakes of people just breaking because it was impossible not to? I don't, I don't think so, because uh, it was
4: a short schedule.
1: Yeah. How long you didn't did you have take time to do? for Seven outtakes. How, I, in, how much
4: did it cost to make Airplane? Uh, about $3.2 million. Wow. And it, it made uh, $80 million domestically in the Jeez. United States. So it was great because... <laughs> and the studio couldn't hide it fast enough so we did <laughs> see some profit <laughs> participation. <laughs> did you...
3: I mean, so so it, it makes eighty million dollars, and then and it, does everything change at that at that at that time for you guys? Did you feel did you feel the, the weight of it?
2: Did you, yeah, we became assholes
4: <laughs> <laughs> instantly.
3: Deservedly so.
1: You mean when we became better than you? Yes. <laughs> um, He's not wrong. Actually, no. I remember I remember uh, right after we had gotten that, I think first check, and we were walking on the lot. <clears throat> the three of us and Jim was complaining about something. His, his, uh, I don't know. The the basement was leaking, or the thing or thing. And then he paused and he said, "He said, yeah, but fortunately, it was the same week I became a
2: millionaire.'" <laughs> 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 How is it?
3: I, I, mean, I always wonder if directing teams, like it's hard enough just to get two people to direct a movie. How does how does a three-man directing team work? Oh, well, no, that's that's not really it's not really that difficult. It's just the kind of thing we can just, do oh, because yeah, we've been there so many the times before and it it we know
1: how to do it. We pretty much that's do it. That's the way it is. That was uh, always the... <laughs> The first thing is you have to have an odd number. You can't do it with two or four or six. You've got to have one, three, five, seven, because there's an instant, you know, yes. a, a vote and an, and an answer. And the other thing, I think, is that for the three of us, it was, um, uh, we all had the same vision, so our arguments were just how to get there, but we weren't making three different kinds of movies and compromising on, on that. We,
4: we evolved our humor together over a period of of 10 years. Like that, yeah. But, um, and, and so, I mean, since the theater, we did a theater, <laughs> and I'll just be, I'm going to be Lloyd Bridges here, and you guys keep doing the... Uh, <laughs> the so, and the way comedy works is that the, when we took it in college... Yeah. <laughs> What was I saying? And now a word. I, I was making some kind of a really important point. I, mean, I can't remember what it was. <laughs>
2: it was, Anyways,
4: Couldn't be. Doesn't couldn't matter. Have been that important. Yeah. It's, you'll, you'll tell you'll, me tomorrow. Tell yeah. It was something. An insight that I had.
3: Were there jokes? Uh, was Was there stuff that was that was cut out? That well, first of all, how much stuff did stayed in, and how much stuff cut out? Is there is there a, a, a percentage of stuff you wish could have been in still?
4: Nothing that was cut out was very funny. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I think originally, I think the first cut was probably close
1: to two hours. We probably cut out a half an hour, um, you know, between gags
3: and just too much setup. Mm-hmm. And, What's an example of a gag that you cut out?
1: Um, oh, there was a gag where uh, uh, Lloyd Bridges and Robert Stack were at the uh, water cooler, and they were arguing about something. And they would fill a, a, a cup of water and take a drink. And I think you know, Stack threw his cup down and said, "No, we've got to make a monadata or whatever." And then, and then, Bridges, you know, was. Drinking and when it's his turn he finished to talk, he finished the water and threw down his cup and said, You crazy, we gotta do this. And they kept throwing cups down and back and forth.
4: And as you can see, it's a good thing we didn't put it in because <laughs> Oh, there were some that's terrible jokes. We had, yeah. you know, another at the security area, some lady sees a guy that she knows and says, Hi, Jack, and then the you know, the security guys, oh God. Uh, it was <laughs> It's it's in the uh, deleted scenes in your DVD, and uh, but deleted scenes in a comedy DVD. I mean, it's always going to be bad. They, you, they if they had been funny, they wouldn't be deleted. Yeah. So yeah,
3: it's like ridiculous. Is I mean, is, and is that is that the basic rule? Is if if stuff makes you laugh, it stays in. If it doesn't make you laugh, it goes. No,
2: the basic rule is if stuff makes the audience laugh it stays in and if the uh, if the audience doesn't laugh it goes out the, and you you can be very passionate and fight for a joke and make sure we film her the first screening as soon as it falls on deaf ears you can't get back to the editing room quick enough to get it out.
3: Was 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 there something that you were really really into, and you're like, why aren't these people getting catching this joke
4: that you Would had to lose? Jerry loved that hijack thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Can't explain taste. Um, mm-hmm. I'm. <laughs>
1: i'm sure i'm sure there uh i'm sure there were things that uh we were i mean in all our movies there were big surprises um, in top in top secret there was this huge joke of where the where the uh the the submarine comes crashing onto the set and it was like it took a day to shoot that and we just thought oh that's a big moment and it just it, it, i think it was I don't even want to probably with this set up. but it it just was flat. I mean, and we couldn't cut it because it was a plot thing, and so we just had to go by quickly. But there's always stuff that just surprises you.
3: you. Kind of hope that you have 90 minutes of of laughs. Now I know, obviously, you know it's 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 sort of hard to have any complaints about the success of the movies and and how much you've influenced people. But I mean, is it? it when you're out in public, Robert, you know people are yelling lines at you, or you guys, they're, you know, they're yelling lines from any of the films, is there a moment where you're like, okay, I get it, I was in it, I know, or does it still
0: kind of tickle you that people are so taken, taken by it? I think it's great. I, I, people come up and they say, I know you're probably sick of hearing this, but I just thought you were great in airplane. And I said, well, wait a minute, let's think about that for a second. You're coming up to me to tell me how much you really love something that I did and I'm supposed to be sick of that? No. I think it's great. I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Great. Yeah.
3: We're 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 just we're just a we're we're a, a generation of your comedy progeny basically. I mean like we you you know, you, you've influenced us uh, uh, so much as comedians. Are there other comics in the audience tonight? Oh, okay, well, I guess other comics felt influenced enough. But I... <laughs> I feel sufficiently influenced. Uh, but, uh, but I know, you know, we don't, we don't have a ton of time left. I thought it would be really important to let some people uh, who came out tonight ask some questions. Uh, if that's Do we have a, a roving microphone? Oh, Will. Will, there you are. Excellent. You, sir, in the front
0: row. Um, a, song. a question uh, for Mr. Hayes. Whenever you're on a plane now, do you ever feel like leaning over to somebody and start talking to them about Macho Grande <laughs> and Elaine? Or And also, have you ever taken flying lessons? I actually am a pilot. You are? But I got it before we did airplane. But... Um, Uh, I was standing in the airport uh, in New York they have you go into a little waiting room and then they put you on a kind of a uh, I don't know, it's a bus like thing but it's on scissors lifts and then they drive you out to the plane and you load on and there was a guy very flamboyant looking guy with a big black hat and a black suit, white shirt and a big black cape (laughs) which I noticed him and we were the only two in the room and he just sat on the other side standing in his head just kind of staring at me long hawk you know sharp features and finally when the room was big enough he said I am not going to get on the plane with that man (laughs) but he he wanted to make sure he had an audience first but I used to get invited up on international flights you can go into the cockpit you used to be able to you couldn't in uh, US flights American flights so going to Europe or Canada or Australia I used to get invited all the time up but the one that was the funniest to me was flying to Mexico on Aero Mexico or Air Mexicana and it was a tennis tournament John McEnroe had a tennis tournament we were flying down there and the stewardess comes up to me and says Piley would like to know would you like to go into the cockpit and i said i said yes <laughs> now you know why i got the role <laughs> so anyway he invited me up i sat in the cockpit they put the jump seat down said you want to sit down i said okay and they can't close the door he said you want a beer I said, okay, so they brought me, un and they gave me a beer, and then they pull out, and they say, take off, and he hasn't told me to go back and sit down, he just had me sitting up there the whole time, and I thought, I wonder what the people think about this, and I turned around and I looked, and the entire, every row, every face was <laughs> like that, so what do you do, I just, I said, cheers, <laughs> we flew all the way down like that, it was, they were sweating the whole way. For the people listening to the recording of
3: this, the Zucker brothers uh, stabbed themselves in the stomach uh, so people know. There's going to be a laugh, they're not going to know why. Any other, uh, any other questions? Anything? Sorry. Over there. Get that guy in there. Yes, sir, what is your name? My name's Jeremy. Hey, what's I just want to say I'm 20, and I saw Airplane for the first time when I was 8, and it's the reason why I'm in. I love comedy. <laughs> but um, my question is... I really like the second airplane movie, but... Um, <laughs> I guess other people don't, but um, I, I, I was just curious... How old are you? 20.
2: <laughs>
3: I, I was just curious... This is for the Zuckers and Jim. At, why weren't you involved with the second one, or did you have ideas for a second film,
1: or what was the well, Because it was the kind of it? movie that only a moron would like.
2: It's
3: <laughs> fair, tough but fair.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, no, no. Um, no, <laughs> no. we just we were out of airplane jokes. I mean, uh, uh, we I think we ran out of jokes uh, three quarter the way through this one, you know. <laughs> but but uh, the, the, um, we we just uh, you know obviously the studio wanted us to do it, and we just. Uh, you know, we just didn't want to go back and have to spend another year writing and directing just a movie about with more <clears throat> airplane jokes. And, and actually, to this day, none of us have ever seen it. <laughs> I mean, we just—it was too. It's like you know, it's why.
0: Okay, it's a little painful. Yeah, I I <laughs> I, I, saw I, saw it, yeah. <laughs> I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. I thought the first one was better.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, I wanted to ask you how you guys got involved with uh, Elmer Bernstein. How did you know about that? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, tablets.
1: Elmer Bernstein. So he did the, the score for the movie. I know, yeah. but I think
4: oh. Davison knew him. I don't. I, no, did, I don't think so. Did, uh, I think just,
1: we just. No, he was on a l- list, you know, and he had done Animal House. He's this great composer, yeah. and we met him and it turned out, I mean, Elmer has a great sense of humor and was just, he, he actually was great to work with. Every time he'd see you know, whether it be you know, a, a rough cut of, or a reel or whatever, he'd just cackle. Every time after time, he'd cackle at all these jokes. He really loved it. And he really got, I mean, when we met him, we, <clears throat> I mean, obviously he's done some, you know, fantastic scores, won Academy Awards and, and we said, you know, Elmer, the thing is, we, we want a B score for this movie. We don't want a good yeah. score. <laughs> so we've come to you <laughs> and uh, he no he totally got it. He totally and you can see he just you know he loved the idea of sort of overdoing that you know classic corny score.
3: Um, great. Anybody else have a question?
1: I think I might be the only person in this entire theater who has never seen this
3: movie until tonight. Get out. <laughs> no stay. I absolutely
1: loved it I just want you to know that I don't have a Thank question you.
3: I have a question for you
1: yes why
3: have you hated comedy until tonight
1: <laughs> I just thought it was a horrible movie and I never wanted to see it Thank until you.
3: now oh well well.
1: <laughs> no it, I don't know it, I know it was, it's legendary I knew it was legendary I don't know I just never had a chance so to see legendary
3: it. in fact you guys just got pulled into the Library of Congress this year right? Uh, that's right. Did, they, uh, did you know that that was... And I was, so, I was so impressed with the movie The Library of Congress. I don't know, you just think stodgy. Our Library of Congress, they don't know. But, uh, but you know, they pulled an Empire Strikes Back, they pulled an Airplane, and, the re- and they cited these films as they recognized the, the cultural significance and the influence that they had uh, on, on the country. So did, the, did someone... Did the president call you and say, guys, we want to pull this into the library... <laughs> Yeah, he calls all the time.
1: I,
2: I, I, uh, I think we read about it in the newspaper. Yeah, uh, yeah I just Somebody
1: someone e- someone emailed me congratulations. No, they yeah. don't actually let you know, and and, yeah. uh, and we. I think I don't think you, any of us had any idea what it was, and still don't really. I mean,
4: it's still well, it's, sinking it's,
1: in. I guess no. Well, I guess they. I, I, well, first, of the question is, you know, is there any money involved, which there wasn't. Um, <laughs> or a plaque or something but no a uh, but, but they they, they uh, apparently they said what they do is they they preserve the the movie um, you know in the library of congress which is i mean great but it's not like it's not like it was just sitting out on hollywood boulevard unraveling <laughs> or something you know, being, Oh, so I should Paramount, take this
3: off the fridge yeah, all right yeah, I'll, I'll put Paramount it on the
1: owns you know vaults and stuff and they they do keep the keep the movies so yeah. i i'm not sure that it, it's uh, but it's great. We, we love it. Thank you. We appreciate sure. it. <clears throat> Anyone? Yeah, any other questions? Yes. This question is for Robert Hayes. Uh, did you think your Shakespearean uh, training at the Old Globe prepared you for this
0: role? Someone's got a, a minute. Stalker. Who's saying that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was it? Did I think my Shakespearean training training at the Old Globe in San Diego prepared you for this role? Obviously, you know yes. all about that. <laughs> That we was go the back. main we thing. Go back. That's what I based my entire character on. Was actually was Hamlet, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I screwed up a little, but I tried. That was what I was basically going for. <laughs> How did you know that? How did you know that's where I was? I I I went back. Um, gosh, it's been. About fifteen years ago, I went back and did uh, Mr. Roberts on the eightieth uh, no it's seventy fifth anniversary of the globe there and uh, which was great fun after having done it on NBC it was one of those live productions where you do it and you screw up and you screwed up like the old days, but that's the last time I was actually there doing something excellent any other questions? Um, <laughs> I when were these deletions made? Because I saw this on the big screen, and I distinctly remember a woman being punched in the face. Um, I laughed. Uh, does does one of you...
3: <laughs> Pissed of, guy in the does, ninth row. Does one of you uh Can you have, speak up have, a little bit? I don't.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it, the, the joke uh, with the woman being punched in the face, it was gone. Um, does one of you have a problem punching women in the face? I'm, I'm not understanding. Like, when did
4: this happen? And uh, you know. Was that an Airplane 2? What punch? Are you talking about a joke that... Striker, 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 that's wham. That's,
0: oh, is that
3: in the second Yeah, that's part two. <laughs> oh, crap. Oh, shit. Airplane 2. Oh, shit. Don't take the mic. Leave the mic before you run out. Leave, but leave the mic. Stop that man.
0: It was the unfunniest joke I ever saw. You know, you know
3: there were so many there were so many things about that that were glorious. Number 1, you were angry cuz you're like what's wrong with punching women in the face? All right. Yeah. A <laughs> Number 2, wrong film. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, this night's going to haunt you for months. Oh, for months. I'm going to get your, your number and you, in, in a month i a... you. Remember when you fucked up in the front of the Zucker brothers? Stop it. It's going to be glorious.
1: You're starting to make him look really good.
3: <laughs> yep. You're off the hook. You're great. <laughs> Every salmon needs a catfish. All right. Uh, any other questions?
0: Yeah, I have the mic. Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering if the guy that wrote The, the Rivers of Jordan, uh, after all these years, if he's still pissed off at you guys for using his song.
2: <laughs> yeah. Peter Yarrow wrote uh, River of Jordan. And... Um, as far as we know, yeah, he is. <laughs> Does he receive residuals from the film? Pardon me? Does he receive residuals from the film every time, every time it's shown?
0: Does he make any money well, off of it? he wants to know if it's... Probably. <laughs> Do you know who it was? Anybody know? Peter, Yarrow? Peter, yeah. Paul, and Mary? Yeah. Okay. The shorter he... one of the two. Who yeah. <laughs> <It> wasn't blonde.
1: <laughs> I um, guess he... He he wrote the song for a friend's wedding, and apparently he takes it seriously.
3: <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Just begrudgingly cashing these huge checks. I'll take the hundred thousand dollars, but I won't be happy about it. <laughs> yes, sir. Who uh? Oh, I'm sorry. Who uh played the girl who uh, the naked the topless girl? <laughs> <laughs> You want to call her now? Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: I got a fetish. I got a fetish.
4: She's
1: 60. I'll give you her number, but she doesn't look like that anymore.
2: (laughs) She has a
4: penis. That was my son's favorite part of the movie (laughs) when he was two. (laughs) And we would watch it together over and over again. And I, I was into it because of the the boobs, and he saw it as food. So, <laughs> it was... We had this great thing. It makes me... It,
3: every when I, every time I see that boob scene, it just makes me think of Catholic high school girls in trouble.
4: <laughs> Who was Samuel L. Bronkowitz? That was a fictitious character that we made up, because we, we were... <laughs> for Kentucky Fried Movie, we were having trouble renting equipment, and because we were just a production company, just a bunch of kids. So... Uh, so, you know, we would call up and say, uh, you know, we want to rent this crane or something and who's that for? It's for Samuel L. Bronkwood's productions and one and one 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 lady says is he still alive? So, you know, it was it worked it worked All right, we have time for a few more questions. Uh, who else?
3: Yeah, um, I have a question about a couple jokes over here on the right side Chris over oh, here. Right here. oh, I see you. Okay, I got you. Right. Oh, my right, yeah. Yep. Um, there's a couple jokes that I, I love, but I don't understand at all where they came from. Uh, one is, and maybe it's just because I don't understand the reference, but one is the horse in the bed. Um, <laughs> why is she sleeping with a horse in her bed?
2: And Oh, come on now. I mean... <laughs> All right,
3: why not? It. Sure. Um, and also, uh, Leon's getting larger is one of my favorite quotes, but I just don't understand where that comes from. I mean, considering the line before.
1: Okay, so there are three of you now. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
4: well, Leon's getting larger. I mean, Stucker used to, uh, uh, backstage of the show, he would go up to a, uh, you know, a person who was overweight, and he would he would he would grab their tummy and say, Would anyone care for a roll in coffee? <laughs> and so we just had kind of adapted that for that.
2: Did he Stucker do other stuff? Stucker was not to be believed. He was just the most amazing guy. And and be all the more amazing, I think, for us because we grew up in a very provincial Midwestern town in the 50s and 60s, and when we got out here and started to do our show and we're looking for a piano player, and this guy walked in, and what you see in Airplane is way toned down from, from the real <laughs> Steven. He was just a marvelous guy. And in addition, he, when he was 15, he was a soloist with the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. So he's a brilliant musician, too. And after we would do our shows, he would, there was a piano, he would play the piano in our shows. And we would sit around into the wee hours of the morning, and he would play this piano, and it would almost, like levity. it would almost become alive. And he'd do Elton John, and he'd do symphony stuff, and he'd do Beethoven, and he'd do everything, and he was just a kind of a genius guy.
3: I always wondered why I never saw him in anything else. Did, 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 did you know if he got offers or if he just didn't want to do other stuff? There's not a lot of call for that. Um, <laughs>
1: in a lot of, in a lot of, I mean, he's a very particular, you know, type. Sure. Um, and I think he did do some movies, but I, you know, it, it was. Uh, right.
2: And he, he he's not alive, alive anymore.
4: anymore. He, he died right. in, in yeah. 1986.
0: Oh, I didn't realize it was yeah, that long. He, ago. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, um,
4: a, I think we should. Uh,
3: <laughs> it's all over. Everyone, get out. Uh, wh- I, I, I would. Um, I would pick you. I- clearly, you will. Uh, but there's no microphone. We need. We need a microphone. Uh, we're, 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 we'll get to you. We'll get to you. We'll get to you. I promise. I promise. She
4: can shout. It. Let her
2: shout. Sure. I, I think you've proven that you can.
3: Yes.
0: Recent Was that shouting?
3: Okay. So if, if, just for anyone who didn't hear that over here, what comedies you've enjoyed in the last 10 years? And secondly, uh, if you think comedy is doing better on television now.
1: Uh, I don't know. Mainstream comedies I like to hang over quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that made, just made me laugh a lot, I think. Um, in, in terms of I don't, I mean, I always like to see comedy in the theater, because filmed comedy, because you see it with an audience, um, so, and I hate laugh tracks, so I, I would answer the second part,
3: no. David, is there, is there anything that you've enjoyed in the last, uh...
4: have you been out in the last 10 years? I haven't really been out that much. Um... <laughs> I can't think of anything I, that I really I think, went out and, and and laughed. I don't know. I yeah,
2: in in terms of, I think, what influenced us more was uh, Mad Magazine. And in particular, there was a column in Mad Magazine, and we sort of touched on it indirectly tonight a little bit, where they would do scenes we'd like to see, where they would do a a parody of a scene from a movie and in each panel it would be dead straight the characters would be straight hence you know the casting of stack and bridges and nielsen and the this backgrounds would be straight there were no cartoonish things in the background and you know hence that led to a serious score by elmer and stuff like that and and each panel of the cartoon would be pretty straight until the last panel when they would make whatever their joke was and that was sort of the model for our approach to Airplane was everything should be set up exactly the way you're used to seeing it in a real movie and then at the end we'll do something silly for the joke. Great, do you
1: have any idea how that applies to your question?
2: <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Okay.
3: Do you want to shout and another s- one? T-
2: television. <laughs> I think she said, yeah okay,
3: you said and magazine as oh, well, right? <laughs> <laughs> Robert, what about you?
0: What are, what are you enjoying in the last uh, few years, comedy-wise? Oh, uh, I haven't gotten out much lately, either. Um, I've... Uh, I watch things that my, my boy is going to be 20 in a week. So I've been guided by what he watches. Otherwise, I don't watch anything. And uh, he's hooked on The Office. Mm-hmm. And um, I, he took me to Napoleon Dynamite... Nice. And I came, out, I came out angry and feeling dumber than when I went in. <laughs> but then he started doing his impressions of the lines, and that made me laugh. Then we went back and saw it again, then I laughed. And then it was very funny to me. But uh, <laughs> well, they're, they're, um, I think we have yeah. time for two more
3: questions. Huh? Uh, yes.
0: Well, I know you guys had um, directed this film together as a trio, and then uh, you went off and did some of your own films, and w- didn't uh, one of you guys direct Ghost, and was it parodied later in one of the, in a,
4: one of the other films you had done?
0: Yes. Do
4: <laughs> you have any stories behind that? You guys... No, it, uh, it, uh,
1: Yes, I directed Ghost, and and uh, David did a parody of it. In uh, it was in, actually as the trailer, and then in uh, Naked Gun
4: Two and a Half. Yes, Two and a Half was the. So we have...
3: Yeah. I think this this poor guy, this poor guy, all night. Yes. give him a give him his due. Thank you. What's your name, sir? My name is uh, My name is Jason. Okay, Jason. Um, I don't want to put uh, any pressure on you. You are the very last question tonight. Okay. Let me think of how to phrase this so I don't get stuck with those three guys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, right now, you are already... You just won. Okay. Um, I have to ask this of any writers that I see in person. Uh, do you have any advice for aspiring screenwriters? Quit now.
4: You'll never make it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you can ignore that advice, then you'll be halfway there. So, but you know, I—I uh, oh, I don't know. What, I think yeah, the best Jerry advice that advice. I
1: would—I would give. It, 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 co- you want to comedy right? You want to make do movies? Um, what are any, you interested?
3: I want to do movies. Movies. Any particular kind? Just. Um. I. I actually focus primarily on science fiction, but I love comedy. Science too. fiction, That's great. Okay.
4: Well, well, different advice for different genres. No. <laughs> Is the first I hear of this. If you yeah, want to write sci-fi, doing... try and befriend a magical creature. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear this. I, uh, I want to
1: give him something uh, helpful. Something that he um, can take home. The, uh, no, I'm enjoying this. I want to lo- prolong this as long as I can. Um, the, the, uh, I, I, I would say the best advice is, is just to to um, keep writing and... and <laughs> it's great. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you very much. Thank you.
4: Uh,
1: no, but but to if you have a friend, if you if you uh, you know fancy yourself as a filmmaker or, or have a friend who's just it's so inexpensive now the to make you know movies n- not for uh, theatrical distribution but even that has come down a lot. But make movies with you know videotape or you know with this inexpensive equipment and just, just even do ten minutes. Just, just your 15 minute or three minutes, just short, and then show them to people. Right. And if you have a bunch of friends that you want to do that with, have a little, you know, a screening of three or four of these things. And the most important thing I would say for your education and your growth as a as a writer, writer director, is to see reaction from an audience right. and to try to get honest reaction from an audience.
2: Hence, That's... maybe it's not even the best idea to show it to friends. Show it to people, certainly we learned the most when we would put a movie up in front of people who didn't know us, didn't care about us, wanted to be entertained, and, and they're brutal and ruthless. And sometimes when you work on stuff and you just show it to your mom and dad and your friends and stuff like that, they care about you too much to be ruthless. And, though, and you need that ruthless critique from an objective audience to really learn. I mean, that's really the five or so years that we were doing Kentucky Fried Theater. It was a clinic for us. Those audiences paid. They didn't You know, know us or care about us, and they when they didn't laugh, we learned a ton.
3: Excellent, that was a great question, and that was certainly a great answer. And we're out of time, so number one, thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for making some of the greatest films that we have as comedians, Robert Hayes. Jim Abrams, yeah. Jerry Zucker, yeah. David Zucker. Thank you so much for coming out to the Castro Theater. Thank you, SF Chris, thank
0: all of you. Thank Janet you. Janet Cole and fun.
3: David, thank you for having me do this. This was a, an entirely amazing dream come true. Thank you, gentlemen.
2: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
3: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup, automatic and secure online backup for your home and small business computer files with plans starting at $59 a year. Get the better backup plan today. Start your free trial at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIST and get two bonus months with purchase. I have missed these Friday night dinners. welcome to Harvey Grah's.
0: At these family dinners everyone. Dysfunction is served yes. wow. I can't have you all messing things up For my entire adult life Oh I'm sorry do we embarrass you jump, jump, jump. It's already better than I dared to dream
4: Would miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season One. Stream free only on Freebie.